Good tidings, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Saturday. Welcome, welcome to the Good Tidings radio broadcast. I am Dr. David Pinkerton, your radio pastor. We're glad that you're tuned in to WXAN Radio 103.9 FM here out of Ava, Illinois. Or you can catch us on the internet at www.wxanradio.com. And when our page opens, click on Listen Live. Tell your friends right now. Call them. Send a text. Shoot an email. Let them know that the Good Tidings radio broadcast is on. And we are thankful today that you're tuned in. We ask you to pray for uh, WXAN Radio. Support them prayerfully support them financially and uh, pray for us also i want you to know we're praying for you we appreciate every one of you and for the kind notes the words and the opportunities to go preach at other churches is truly a blessing i do want to say since i've talked to you uh, and shared god's word with you last that uh, we've been in um, southeast missouri in fredericktown missouri preaching for the good folks at second baptist church there we've been in lick creek illinois at the um, saratoga methodist church there the saratoga church in lick creek great people there and uh, we're looking forward this next week to being actually tomorrow actually going to be with the good folks in mound city at the first baptist church in Mound City. If you know a church that is struggling, it needs some consulting, it needs some strengthening. Uh, I am, have pastored for over 20 years and uh, saw God do a wonderful work in the ministry. And I would love to sit down and talk to you as a pastor. I have a pastor's heart still, and I have a, an evangelist heart as well. Uh, I'd love to talk with you and see if I can encourage you in your church give you some biblical tips and principles on how you can see people saved and Jesus glorified and your church grow. Even in these latter days before Jesus comes, God's still in the church growing business and the soul-saving business because it's all about Jesus. Now, grab your Bibles, open them up. Remember, when we open the Bible, we are opening the Word of God, the mind of God. So let's look into the Bible today and see what God is thinking. I want you to go to Luke chapter number 19 and in verse number 10. Luke chapter 19 and verse number 10. As I entitle this message this morning, the love of Jesus Christ for lost sinners. The love of Jesus Christ for lost sinners. Folks, I wish by way of introduction that I could fully express how much Jesus loves sinners. I won't be able to, but I want to try. Pastor, deacon, missionary, Christian friend, church member, if you're listening today, pull up a seat, draw close, listen closely to what the Word of God has to say. In Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. In Luke chapter 15 and verse 6, And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, and saith unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, which was lost. In Mark chapter 3, and verse 20 and 21, And the multitude cometh together again, so that he could not as so much as eat bread. And when his friends heard of it, they went out to lay hold on him, speaking of Jesus, for they said, He is beside himself. 
But in Matthew 23 and verse 37, Jesus said himself, I love to quote Jesus. You're never going to be wrong when you quote Jesus. Jesus is the world's formal authority, utmost authority. Jesus Christ is the world's authority. Jesus said in Matthew 23 and verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as the hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. If I could make the unsaved, if you're listening today and you're not saved, you don't know Christ as your Savior, you don't know for sure that if you died today you'd go to heaven, listen close. If I could make you understand how much Jesus loves you, I believe that every unsaved person hearing this sermon today would want to accept Jesus Christ as Savior. If I could make saved people, Christian people, listen, Christians, understand how much Jesus loves the unsaved, it would motivate every Christian to go soul winning. It would help us understand the love of Jesus for lost sinners that we would set aside time every week to tell someone about Jesus, to hand them a gospel tract, to invite them to a Bible-preaching church where the gospel is given and an invitation is given. Folks, I won't be able to tell you how much Jesus loves lost sinners, but I want to try. So I submit to you, first of all, the love that Jesus Christ has for lost sinners, number one, His love for sinners is seen in the purpose of, for which he came into the world. I've quoted these verses so often that I'm afraid they just go through your mind and they don't make an impression, but they are still true. Luke 19:10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus did not come to this earth to receive honor. He had all honor that he could ever have wanted while he was in heaven. He was the Son of God. The angels surrounded his throne in heaven. He had a royal diadem. Jesus knew before he came that he would not receive honor, but that he would be despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, Isaiah 53.3. However, knowing all that, he left the honor and the splendors of heaven and came to the earth to save sinners. He did not come to accumulate wealth. Sometimes men will go into a far country in order to accumulate a fortune. In the days of the gold rush, men made long trips across this country with one thing in mind. I'll work hard, I'll find some gold, I'll strike it rich and accumulate wealth. They suffered much to get rich, but our Lord Jesus came not to receive honor, not to accumulate wealth. All the wealth imaginable was His already in heaven. Neither did Jesus come to the earth to receive glory. You know, it's interesting to me that when Jesus came to the earth, He was made in the likeness of men. Philippians 2.7. His death on the cross is sufficient for our salvation. He did not have to live 33 years, then die. His death as a three-year-old would have atoned for sin. But he stayed here 33 years on this earth knowing that he would die on the cross. And for this cause, I came into the world, Jesus said. John 18, verse 37. He talked about his death to Nicodemus, a religious man, and said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. John chapter 3 and verse 14. He could have died earlier and still paid our sin debt, but he stayed here and was in all points tempted like as we are, 
yet without sin. Hebrews 4.15 He did that so that he might be a loving and a sympathetic high priest. You see, Jesus was poor, folks, when he was on this earth. He said, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 20. Nothing in the Bible says he had to be poor to atone for our sins. He could have been born to wealthy parents. He did not have to be wrapped in swaddling clothes and placed in a manger in a cow stall. He could have died for sinners. He could have been born in the grandest palace on earth and been rocked in a golden cradle and wrapped in the softest blankets. That would have not hindered his substitutionary death on the cross. He could have died in the died the death of a hero, but he died the death of a criminal. The very fact that he was on that he was the center in, in the center cross on Golgotha's hill was reserved for the worst criminal. The very fact that he was on the center cross indicates that those who placed him there thought that he was the worst of the three crucified that day. Now, wait a minute. He could have died some other kind of death than the most torturous death a man could ever experience. He did not have to die as a common criminal. He could have died in battle like famous soldiers and been remembered as a hero. Instead, they spit upon Jesus. They turned their backs on Jesus. They walked away from the cross of Jesus Christ, and they left him there naked. But our Lord Jesus Christ did not come to receive honor, to accumulate wealth, nor to receive glory. He left, he left heaven behind. With, he left behind greater glories than this world contains. He came for one purpose and for one purpose only. Get this, preacher. Get this, church. Get this, Christian. Get this, Pastor David. He came for one purpose, and that was to seek and to save that which was lost. No sincere Bible student can deny that. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 1, and verse 15, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. Lost souls were of more value in the sight of Jesus Christ than all the earth's wealth and glory. One sinner meant more to him than all the gold in all the hills, all the money in all the banks, all the real estate in the world. The more like Jesus each of us become, and we should want that, the more valuable souls become to us. Are souls valuable to you, Christian? Do you care if your neighbor, if your family member, if your student, if your co-worker die lost in their sins? And die and go to hell? Do you care, Christian? If we don't have a greater burden for souls this year than we had last year, we're not growing into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Some of you say you're growing in Christ's likeness and maturing. You're not if you don't love lost sinners and you're trying to win souls. Proverbs 11.30 The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that winneth souls is wise. No, we don't save anyone, but we witness to them of Jesus Christ, his crucifixion, his burial and resurrection, 
and how he paid their debt. And they can be forgiven if they repent of their sins, which means they change their mind. They don't quit sinning. They change their mind and see themselves as a sinner in need of a Savior. And that Savior is Jesus and ask Jesus to be their Savior. If we don't have a greater burden for souls this year than we had last year, we're not growing into the likeness of Jesus. We can't be like Christ without loving sinners. We can't be filled with the Holy Spirit without loving sinners. Lost souls are more valuable in His sight than all the earth's wealth and glory. Jesus said, What shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Mark 8 and verse 36. Jesus' love for sinners is seen in the purpose for which He came into the world. What was that purpose? To die on the cross. To suffer hell for every man who has ever lived or will live. To pay man's sin debt so that God could be a just God and let men into heaven by simple faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. He He had absolutely, Christ had absolutely no other purpose for coming, folks. Listen. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Mark chapter 10 and verse number 45. We're considering the topic today, the title, The Love of Jesus Christ for Lost Sinners. And we wanted to suggest, first of all, that his love for sinners is seen in the purpose for which he came into the world. Secondly, I submit to you, Jesus' love for lost sinners can be seen in His love for lost souls is seen in His ever being on the watch for opportunities to save them. As we read the life of Jesus Christ in the New Testament, it seems He was constantly watching for opportunities to win souls. For example, the woman at the well, when His disciples went to town to buy meat, He waited at Jacob's well for the woman to come. There she stood by her water pots. The woman had been married five times. Jesus waited for her, waited for an opportunity to witness to her, and he led her to himself. I'm saying that the love of Jesus Christ is seen in his constant watchfulness for lost sinners, always watching, looking for a Zacchaeus up a tree or a blind Bartimaeus by the highway or the woman taken in adultery, or the woman at the well. Always watching, watching, watching. Though he be only one person, and not a very influential one at that, yet Jesus always had time to stop and tell that one person about salvation. Do we do that? Do we care enough about souls that we stop and witness to one person? We hand out a gospel tract going through a drive-thru, After we transact business, do you care enough about someone's eternal damnation or destination that you don't want them to head to eternal damnation? Hell, and consequently the lake of fire, is real. That's where they're going. Do we care enough to witness to them? If we're the kind of Christians that we ought to be, saints, we too will have to have the same watchfulness for lost sinners that Jesus had. Thirdly, may I say, I submit, Jesus' love for lost sinners is seen by his going after them. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost until he find it? Luke 15 and verse 4. 
Now, folks, this parable shows that the Son of God is going after a lost sheep until he finds it. Jesus not only watched for and welcomed opportunities, but he sought opportunities to win souls. <coughs> Excuse me. Here's a sheep that is lost. And the shepherd leaves the 90 and 9 and goes after that one until he finds it. I like those last four words, until he find it. Come wind, rain, storm, or flood, he just keeps looking and looking and looking, not giving up until he finds it. Jesus not only watched for and welcomed opportunities, he sought opportunities to win people to Christ. Does your church seek opportunities to win souls to Jesus Christ? Do you have vacation Bible schools, special services designed to bring people into the church to get the gospel to them? Do you care what about what Jesus cares about, Pastor? Listen, I'm going to be point blank here. I've been in the ministry for some 25 years-ish. I've pastored. I know how difficult it can be to go soul winning. But many of these churches have become keepers of the aquarium instead of fishers of men. Pastor, you're going to stand before God. Are you leading and teaching your people how to win souls? Are you showing them how to win souls by doing it yourself? He is saying, hey, I thrive on that. I get a great satisfaction when people get saved, greater than you get out of meat for yourself. But my meat, my food, my satisfaction, my joy comes by seeing sinners trust me and be born again a Savior. Be saved. I want to see sinners saved. Church, do you want to see sinners saved? Churches, listen to Pastor David. If you don't agonize over souls prayerfully, the Bible says what? They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Bringing our sheaves with us, do you pray and, and shed tears over lost souls getting saved? In other words, church and pastor, do you agonize over souls in prayer getting saved? If you don't agonize and then evangelize, evangelize that means go out after them, knock on doors, get gospel to them via social platforms, whatever the case may be, get the gospel out to people. If you don't agonize prayerfully, agonizing over souls to be saved, and then you don't try to evangelize them by going out to them. Go is the first word of the, of the, great, uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, of the great command and the, um, the, the scent. Go into all the world. The great commission, I'm trying to say here. If you don't agonize, if you don't evangelize, then church, you will fossilize. You'll die on the vine. Your church will die and dry up because you're not doing what Jesus cared about, and that is winning souls. Revival of winning souls is what every pastor, deacon, Sunday school teacher, choir member, pianist, church member needs. Jesus' love for lost sinners is seen in his finding joy and satisfaction, satisfaction in saving lost souls. Would to God that we had Christians like that. Christians who would get so involved with winning the lost that they would lose sleep, walk up and down the streets of every city and town and rural community and village and weep over unsaved people. I don't know what it is, but it seems the longer we're in the way in this way, the more we go to church, the less sensitive our hearts become toward the unsaved. Folks, when I was first saved, I wanted everybody to be saved the next day. I couldn't bear the thought of people dying and going to hell. We don't want to lose that feeling. Do you still have that, Christian? Whatever it takes to cultivate that kind of heart 
Ask God to cultivate it afresh and new. Ask Him to give you a revival of soul winning and caring about lost souls being saved. We must pray as much as we have to pray, cry as much as we have to cry, read as much as we have to read to have a burden for lost souls. Quickly, number five, I submit to you that Jesus, His love for lost sinners is seen in His rejoicing when they were saved. The parable of the lost sheep says, when and when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Luke chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. That's the picture of Jesus Christ, the good shepherd. He's going after the unsaved. And when he finds the lost sheep, he rejoices. We may have so many uh, so many people saved here, so many people coming up and down aisles of churches and being baptized and so forth, folks, but we should rejoice. When was the last time your church rejoiced over a sinner that got saved and you gave them the right hand of fellowship and you let them know you're going to pray for them and you had celebratory, vibrant, vibrant uh, spiritual music being played at the end of the service celebrating that a person is now going to heaven and not to hell? When was the last time you had a joyful celebration at your church over someone walking the aisle and getting saved? Jesus is still in the saving business. Churches can still grow and see that if you'll go after souls. Ladies and gentlemen, quickly, Jesus is loved. I submit to you, number six, for lost sinners is seen in his grief over souls who refuse to be saved. In Matthew 23 and verse 37, Jesus said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. I wish I could have been there and watched as he looked out over the city of Jerusalem and heard him say those words. That little word, oh, I believe he held it, oh, Jerusalem. The Lord stood and looked at Jerusalem and all those multitudes of people whom he would have saved, who he wanted to save, but they wouldn't come to him for salvation. Friend, if you're trusting in your church membership, the Pope, the sacraments, the Baptist minister, your good deeds or turning over a new leaf, if you're hoping in anything else to get you to heaven, except putting your faith in Jesus and Him alone, you're going to die lost in your sins and go to hell when you die. The only hope you have of heaven is Jesus. If you lay down the Ten Commandments, God's perfect law for a civil society, if you lay your life up against the Ten Commandments, if you violate one of them, you're guilty of violating them all. That's God's perfect standard. No one has been able to keep it except Jesus. And Galatians says the law was our schoolmaster to give us, to bring us to Christ. <clears throat> In other words, when you line your life up with the Ten Commandments, you realize how you have failed. And God won't accept you into heaven unless someone paid your sin debt for you. And that sin debt was paid by Jesus when he died on the cross shed his blood, was buried, and resurrected the third day. He said, All that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. 
for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Won't you ask Jesus to come into your heart and be your Savior now? Just mean it from the sincerity of your heart, Jesus. Please forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart and save my soul. I'm trusting you and you alone to take me to heaven. Now, folks, it's important that we recognize that Jesus so loved sinners that he was constantly concerned about them. He loves sinful men. Your husband, your wife, your grandparent, your friend, your neighbor. Jesus wants them to go to heaven. And if you're a Christian, you know how to tell them about Jesus. Give them a gospel tract. Send your pastor. Send a spirit-filled man or woman of God over to lead them to Christ. Quickly, number seven, Jesus' love for lost sinners is seen in his willingness to gladly lay down his life to save them. Jesus did the best he could. He laid down all he had, his life for them. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, recognize this. Here are some suggestions, and as I close up, here are some suggestions to you to how we can love sinners more. Number one, try to see sinners as Jesus sees them. Look at a sinner through the Savior's eyes. Number two, try to see the consequences if a man, woman, boy, or girl doesn't come to the Savior. Think about hell. Visualize hell. See people running through the corridors of hell. Smell the brimstone and the smoke. Hear people screaming for one drop of water. Imagine that you've been watching that person for a thousand years and they're still screaming for one drop of water. Visualize people in hell. Number three, yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. In other words, be filled with the Spirit so you'll go after souls. That's what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. Number four, pray that God will give you a greater love for sinners. Ask God to break your heart over sinners. When was the last time we cried over a sinner getting saved? We were so concerned about them. Sinners in your family, sinners on your street. Oh, how Jesus loves sinners. Now quickly, ask God, Christian friend, to forgive you of not caring about sin. Souls being saved, pastor, do it. And ask God to revive you in this area of winning souls. Because Jesus Christ loved sinners. And the title of today's message has been on the Good Tidings radio broadcast, The Love of Jesus Christ for Lost Sinners. Do you love lost sinners? Pastor, Christian friend, sinner, Jesus loves you. Will you trust him by faith and be saved? Keep looking up, folks. Jesus is coming. Good news. God is still in control. Jesus is coming again. The love of Jesus Christ for lost sinners. I bring you good tidings of great joy. Oh, yes. Emmanuel, God is with us, oh yes, for unto you is born this day, Savior Christ our Lord, so fear not, fear not, yes sir. So fear not.